Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember all those big dreams you used to have, and then life made other plans? With a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van, it's time to bring those dreams back. Start your own business or commit to van life with a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van. Now, you could win the Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Mode 4x4 that we have. Enter the Dan Patrick Show Ultimate Camping Rig Sweepstakes. To enter, get official rules. Visit danpatrick.com or foxsportsradio.com. Have to do it by February 2nd for your chance to win. Fuel your body with Clean Juice, your local USDA-certified organic juice bar and restaurant. Sip away worries of hidden additives, artificial sweeteners, and harmful pesticides. Download the Clean Juice app and get $5 off your first order. New guests only, some restrictions apply. Hey, welcome in. I'm Doug Godley, and you, yeah, you, you listen, you've decided to download and subscribe, hopefully rate... All Ball, the All Basketball Podcast. Andy Katz from uh, Everything Covering College Basketball will be my guest. We'll discuss the Kansas case, Kansas versus the NCAA, which is a kind of bizarre case. I'll give you my thoughts on it as well upcoming. Um, I, I want to start with I want to start with LaMelo Ball. So uh, obviously we had Lonzo Ball, who has been, I, I guess, in comparison to some of his contemporaries that were drafted Two year, uh, three years ago, he's been relatively disappointing as an NBA player. 
much of this has to do with injuries, right? Let's be honest. Uh, injuries have derailed his run, and it's, it's fascinating to me that LeVar Ball, who I think you could partially credit LeVar with getting him drafted by the Lakers, you know, wasn't just speaking it into existence. It's, you know, he was so profound, so pronounced in his desire to change the world that, yeah, I don't think if he was, if he was from anywhere other than Southern California and he was any regular, you know, De'Aaron Fox or, uh, that, that he would have been, dra- that he would have been drafted at number two by the LA Lakers. Was there a commiseration and that magic saw a guy who could really pass? Yeah. I think timing was everything. Um, I think playing at UCLA, growing up in Southern California, having a dad who at the time you know, said he wanted to learn from magic Johnson in terms of being a businessman, like all of those things made a ton of sense. But the the speed by which you go from being drafted, playing in summer league to playing in the NBA, not having time to kind of build up your body and break down your shot. And then they decided, well, in, in the off season, his first off season, he didn't really have a chance to continue to improve on the court because his knee was hurt. And then in his second year, he got hurt again. And one of the reasons he got hurt was because he was wearing shitty shoes that his dad started this brand. And we all know now these were knockoff shoes. All of that is it's there's irony or just hysterical humor, right? The brand that his dad wanted to start some, some creep ran off with the money. Meanwhile, the shoes were so bad that the kid got hurt. And because the kid got hurt, the Lakers season tanked and they end up trading the kid out of town like that. If that's not a, an American tale of 2019. I don't know what is. Meanwhile, LaMelo Ball, that is, you know, his older brother uh, was supposed to go to UCLA, and we know how that went, but he wasn't any good. LaMelo Ball has kind of been the chosen one. He's a little bit taller than Lonzo, maybe not the athlete of Lonzo, but similar vision. Um, his jump shot, while funky and, you know, a little bit over to the left side of his face, has develop more and is a little bit more pure. He still has kind of an awkward, but he's so big, six, 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 seven. And now he's playing in Australia. What's interesting to me, as you see him skyrocket up draft boards, and it's important to remember this is before any of the kids that have gone to college have played a single scrimmage, let alone a single game. And those guys, because you know, you're in Australia out of sight, out of mind, they will climb up the draft boards like a Cole Anthony may go ahead of him anyway. But this is the, this is the big point is that, LaMelo Ball changed as a pro prospect when his dad had his hands off. Went to Australia, working out with legit guys, his dad staying out of the process, his dad out of the limelight. Like the, Now, when he comes back stateside, there will be caution over drafting LaMelo because how do you handle the dad? And even if he has to split places between New Orleans, wherever the kid is drafted, it, it still could be a problem. But I told you on this podcast... This very same podcast that the best thing to do is if you went to Lithuania, stay away, send him to a legit team and leave him there for a couple years. Cause it's not about talent. It's about how he's developed. It's about how he's coached. And it's really hard to live that lifestyle in a foreign country. But when you have the immense amount of skill that some of these kids have, it can be the best thing for you. Case in point, LaMelo ball. I know that some people have him as a top three, top four prospect, maybe a top two prospect, the issues with his dad being overly involved and being a problem for an NBA organization still persist. The kid looks really good and really talented. 
Um, I, I should point out the first game, they did lose by 40, although I think they've won their next two. And let's see as the season goes on. But at first glance, all of this traveling around, all of this different levels of coaching, the higher level of competition, the kids absorbed it, and he looks like he's going to be a lottery pick. I actually think like the, this is great news for the NCAA. Great. Because there are other options. We're not your only option. You can go and play in Australia. You can go and play in the G League. I, I wouldn't change anything. Nothing. Nothing at all. And in many ways, getting away from Southern California is the best thing to ever happen to LaMelo Ball. It, it doesn't mean that his dad's a bad guy or that his dad did a bad go- job coaching him at a young age. None of that. But at some point, your dad has to. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is 
finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. To have his hands off and just the proximity to your son is enough. And Australians just don't, they don't really play that. Like we're not, we're not doing the daddy ball thing. And anybody who coaches their own kid, they know at some point you got to let somebody else coach them. You have to, you have to trust in somebody else uh, because this is what befell Lonzo ball. He hadn't played pick and roll basketball. He hadn't played real basketball, real defense. And the assimilation of the NBA has taken longer because he hasn't. And because he's been injured. Whereas Lamelo's played against better competition, older guys, and now he's playing without his dad's hands on him at all, at all points. And I think he's the better because of it. You know, I, I think that's a reasonable discussion, reasonable discussion to have. Knockoffs, copycats, imitators. They all share one thing in common. They always pale in comparison next to the true original, just like the stylish and versatile Lexus RX, the crossover that paved the way for others. And it's still the best for one simple reason. Nothing else is as good as the original. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. All right, let's welcome him in. You'll see him on uh, on uh, Fox College Bas- Fox's college basketball coverage, Big Ten Network's college basketball coverage, NCAA.com, and of course, Turner Sports and their coverage of the NCAA tournament. Uh, you can basically get him everywhere. He's the one and only Katz and Moyer. He's Andy Katz, my longtime friend and incredible reporter for college basketball. 
Um, let, let's get to the Kansas story because you and I were discussing this via text. And I think it's a really kind of complicated web that we have to dig through, right? Because you have this, you have these court documents, which again, in court, um, make Kansas or Kansas basketball out to be a victim, yet you have NCAA rules and there's all kinds of other, what's your read on the investigation into Kansas? Well, I mean, I can only go with what I read and what you read as well. Uh, I mean, I don't have any inside information. Um, I would say that this falls in line with what, you know, Stan Wilcox from the NCAA was quoted as saying earlier in the summer that they were going to sort of move swiftly, that schools were mentioned uh, in the FBI investigation, were going to, uh, you know, they were going to have the NCAA investigation, uh, that, you know, for all the squawking that I heard from a lot of other coaches of when is something going to happen, uh, to me this still is following the, path, the, the, the process of legal first, then NCAA. Everyone wants things to be faster, Um We'll see if it can get faster here during the season. My, my read is that at a baseline level, I, I can't see why there's not a scenario where there's not a game, head coach game suspension. Um, so I'm going to say that as a baseline. And I think that's true for all of these cases, especially when you have um, you know, violations, whether they're crimes or not, actual NCAA violations mentioned in court so when we get to arizona at some point we will uh you know you had book richardson sorry here you you had book richardson uh obviously admitting because he's serving time so whether sean miller knew or not under the coach's control penalty you just have to believe he's gonna have to sit at a minimum so uh, that that's where i would start how much further it gets is there a postseason ban? You know, uh, you know what happens? Uh, is there even more further, like a show cause and all that? I don't know. And uh, I think it's all speculation. But I think at a base level, we're going to see, you know, some sort of coach suspension. And then obviously the, the usual, you know, probationary stuff that will happen in scholarships, all that, all that stuff that we've seen, you know, countless times for, for, other, uh, for other violations. So full disclosure, I consider Bill Self to be a very close, dear friend. He's not just a former Oklahoma State point guard and alum. He's somebody that that has always uh, been completely forthright with me. I also understand that, like you, you know this. Like as much as we say we know these guys, like we don't know everything that's going on. And some of this stuff is things that we thought were happening. Some of these things are things that we thought that, that weren't happening, right? Yeah, um, and Doug, let me, let me add, can I add one thing in that I agree with you. Want. I have a great relationship with him. I would just say that by me saying a coach suspension, I'm not saying Bill did anything wrong. I'm saying, personally, I'm saying that based on what we've seen with this coach control, if something happens in your program, right. they've been consistent with the last five years that the coach is going to sit games. So that's why I, I just think at a baseline that that's going to happen. Oh, I, I look, I, I tend to agree. I just, I don't know. Uh, it's like, what's the net net, you know, like even the suspending coaches embarrasses them, but that's, does that really do what you're trying to do? Does that accomplish what you're trying to do? That's, that's one part. Secondly, um, 
you know, I, you know, there are years in which last year, if you would have suspended, it probably would have been better because that wasn't a national championship year. This one might be. Um, do you do you hold him out of NCAA tournament games or th- does he end up? You know, there's long been thought that Bill Self has accomplished so much as a college coach. And he's so good with people that he could be a, he could be an NBA coach. Right. So do you do you chase him off to the NBA? You know what? What happens there? Um, and this is this is also Kansas basketball, right? Like the, the complaint of many of the constituents of the NCAA has been the old Jerry Tarkanian complaint, which was you get so mad at UCLA, you know, you put I forget Sam Houston State, whatever on on probation. Are you going to really go after KU, who's one of the bright, shining lights of this? I mean, look, the Naismith rules, the, the actual rules of basketball are in a museum right next to uh, a gym named, you know, the, one of the most historic field houses in all of America. Right. That this is going after basketball royalty. And so do they pay an extra penalty because of who they are? Do you go lighter on them because you don't want to take down the whole sport? I think all of that is fascinating. But I don't think there's, I, I mean, I hope, I and mean, I don't think there's truth in that. I think that no one is above the rules. No one is above the law. We're seeing that, you know, in Washington. And, uh, and clearly, if, if there is an alleged violation, they're going to pursue it, or at least they should. I also think that the new structure of the importance of having outside people, because this case probably would fall into this new um, complex case, I may be bungling the verbiage here, but I think it's sort of a complex case scenario where it, it's handled by a third party. Um, and this may fall into that now and be one of the first ones to fall into that. And so if that's the case, it's you know, taken out of, of any kind of uh, perception uh, that might exist for, you know, a blue blood. But, uh, you know, look, I mean, no one likes this. I mean, no one wants to see um, you know, a, a traditional power uh, go through this. Um, you know, no one wants to see the NCAA tournament or the season have a cloud over it. Um, you know, I mean, Champions Classic is on ESPN. You know, our, our former colleagues, they don't want to spend all their time talking about what could happen in Kansas. They want to talk about the games. Right. And so, and, uh, and, but and the players, they, they the may players have the, to. Yeah. They may have to. Um, I want to ask you, obviously, um, you have a unique perspective now in, in many ways working for the NCAA, but they've never, I don't believe told you what, have they ever told you what to say, what you can and cannot say? No. Um, you know, but I mean, let, let, let's be honest. It's like anything, uh, you know, you have to always thread the needle and we did this at ESPN. I mean, you gotta, you gotta just make sure, uh, you know, when, cause you have rights holders with different, you know, the NFL, uh, the NBA, you know, you just gotta always check everything. And so, I'm just I'm very careful uh, on on when you're on different platforms. Now I do work for other platforms now too, as you just mentioned at the top. So, but that's the same thing. I work for the Big Ten Network, and you know we're going to nuance things clearly if something happens in the Big Ten. I mean, it just happens everywhere. Okay, so Mark Emmert calls the name, image, image, and likeness an existential threat to the collegiate model. Biggest issue he's faced in almost ten years on the job, and of course, in social media. He's the worst, right? He's a liar. He's a hypocrite. He blah, 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 right? There's, there's nothing he could, there's really nothing he could say outside of, of granting people's name, image, and likeness and ability to sell it that would, that would please anybody on social media. 
Where are you in the argument? Because I do feel like you and I are two of the only media members kind of dockage, maybe the other, like standing against this wind uh, of, of desired change. Um, I will just say this, that, uh, you know, I, I don't know where it's going to happen. I don't know what the states are going to do. I do know that there is a process within the NCAA legislative structure. I do know they want to do that process, and they've been public about that. So that's not – I'm not saying anything out of school here. Um, I will say this, that I think this is a very valid argument, and, I, and maybe players will come snapping back at me. But I just think, in general, people have overvalued what is out there. I mean, just keep in mind, this is going to be – if, if, if all this came into be – in 2023, okay, that's when this law would go into effect. That's a year after we expect the collective bargaining agreement in 2022 to change. So in 2023, let's assume the elite players, the cream of the crop, the Zion Williamson of the world, don't come to college. So now you're going down a level in the uh, likeness category here, Okay. I, I'm they call me a skeptic. I just don't think there's huge value. Now there may be some cities in America where they put a high premium on who's on the college team, even if he's not rated, you know, a lottery pick. And maybe he's much further down, and maybe they will be glad to, you know, uh, to to compensate, you know, to, to to do something for them. I just am very skeptical about. Uh, the market, and you know, I remember well, I was sitting with an NBA GM a couple years ago at the Big Ten tournament, watching then a very average Illinois and Iowa, and I asked him, I said, you know, who's out here that you would like, you know, pay to see? And he's like, nobody. Uh, and, and look, they were you know good college players, but you know, would you really pay? You know, no, you, you only look the people who go, the people who know. go we'll to see. college games go to see their team play and learn about the players. Like it's such a, if you take away the, 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 the thing is this, they've been able to go to the G league for the last decade and get whatever name, rights, Likeness, whatever. No one's done it because it doesn't, you, you don't, you can't increase your brand value without the brand of the. I think what Emmert's actually talking about in terms of the existential threat is the entire system. Like, look, what, what people don't understand is, not only do players not pay taxes on the benefits that they have. Now, should be pointed out that some players actually have to pay taxes and the schools cover that, right? So, which is a, a ridiculous cost. There's other things, international play, which I, I disagree with that. But that schools don't have to pay taxes on the ticket revenue they have. They operate in a tax shelter. And while everybody seems to think that Congress, or that, that, that state legislatures are doing this out of their own kind of goodwill, like... Stop it! What do they do? What do they do with everything? Okay, they legalize something. If you want something. to get me on a soapbox issue, I'll go on this issue, which is that uh, you know I, I'm with you and Dockage on this. It is ridiculous. Okay, ridiculous to discuss that they get nothing. Okay, that is I hate that because it is so untrue. It is so much better now than it was. 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Okay, number one, the Shabazz Napier thing is absolutely ludicrous. You literally right now have to walk by the training table 
and not take any food, okay? You could get you do not have to eat outside of your facility because I I mean I was at Iowa last year for a game and I was in the I was working out in their in their training room. They had baskets of snacks and, and in the cooler like the Players could take whatever they want. You could have brought a duffel bag and dumped. Well, it's, all it's, the not, it's not just. In it's there. not just. It's not just that though, Andy. Like like saying food is is just didn't have food was a lie. Okay, and now of course you get to collect the money for food and you don't actually spend it on food. Okay, but forget about all of that. The I don't get anything. the The value is in getting into college. You have two kids, right? You know yeah, how hard I have a daughter this. Going to college next year, and the fact that. You know, uh, if she, you know, if, if we're able to make it where a she doesn't, she gets to leave with no debt. That is, that's it's not just no debt. How hard is it to get into college? How yeah. hard is it to get yeah. into college? We're, yeah, we're very, we're very stressed right now about all that. So, yeah, right, and and and, and you don't, that. and I'm not saying that college athletes can get into any college they want, but it's a far higher level than their grades would normally allow them to. Okay, allows them access to all of the resources within the university, both. While you're there and after you're there, that has a substantial value that on? no one how about the talks case going about. On right now, but how about the case going on right now? We got Hollywood celebrities and these, you know, rich parents paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to try to get their kids in school. It, it actually know, so, I mean, it, it makes makes make, makes my point so much so much easier. And then, like I look at Perry Ellis, right, who's coming back to Kansas. He gets to graduate, get a, get an advanced degree, and to be on staff. All of that is part of the resources that are offered to all of these Division One student athletes, which has us. You're on scholarship for life, man. Like, look, if I need shoes, if I need gear. I just call. I just call Mike Boynton's guys at Oklahoma State. I didn't play for him. You know, I wanted his job. It doesn't matter. Like, you're part of the family. You're so good. You're two in. Two other points related to that. Two other points related to that, Doug. So the medical care. Okay. So Robbie Hummel was telling me uh, that. He tore his knee, I think, the second time. Purdue flew him to New York City, I think, to sign at Sinai Hospital to have his knee surgery there. Now, I'm not saying there aren't good knee doctors in Indiana, but they wanted the best in the country. And so they could, so he could actually be set up for the rest of his life. So he gets great knee surgery in New York, put up, he told me, four or five nights in a hotel, which is totally legal. Okay, because Purdue is his, his player. They're paying for it, and they're getting, he's getting great medical care. You, you want an MRI and you're a regular person, you've got to go you know, um, to the ER, or you've got to wait and wait and wait and wait and get a referral. And they're, they're handing out MRIs right and left at these universities. I mean, it's just it, it, the, it, the access to great medical care. So, you know, could they get a little something? Could they get a little more spending money? Sure, but let's, first of all, let's not think that, you know, that they're not benefiting while they're in school. A student-athlete at Kentucky, Kansas, all these different schools, they have the best life on campus better than any other student. They live better, they eat better, they have better medical care, they travel better. And, yes, of course, they provide a service for the university. But don't ever tell me they don't get anything for it because while they're there, they have, the be- they have a better experience than anybody while they're and, there. And they can leave whenever they want. And go become professionals, yeah. just like every other student. And by the way, every other student brings in money to the university, whether it's out of their own pocket or post-career in terms of representing the school. Like It, it actually it is the same. Um, yeah, I, I, I actually, look, I don't have a relationship with Emmert. I don't know if you do. And I know that people, 
you know, like people don't understand that even though the NCAA is a nonprofit, there's lots of people who make seven figures who run a nonprofit, right? That's it's a that's a it's a tax. Well, no, but that, that's that's irrelevant right now. I mean, that's irrelevant I, I know, about, I know it is. But I'm saying the, no, no, but I'm saying, I'm the, saying the other point I want to make about what you were saying about you know college athletes. So you know, I, my second love is tennis, and my son's really into it, and so I've gotten to know some of the players on the tour that come through when we the tournament in Rhode Island where we live in the off in the off season and. Um, the college tennis players have told, the, excuse me, the pro tennis players who played college tennis. Okay, tennis is a lonely sport. You're by yourself. But because they've played in college, like Steve Johnson, who played at USC, he knows whenever he wants, he can go back to USC. There's going to be someone to hit with. He can work out there. He's got a base, you know, and, and, and it's because he went to college. That he, it's, it's like you said, it's a lifelong relationship. And it's something that when you're on tour and you're around the globe and you, there's a USC fan and they're going to cheer for you. I mean, there's such a connection that it's all about what's on the front of the jersey, not what's on the back. Agreed. Agreed. And I think we want to throw the baby out. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and 
and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Out with the bathwater. And then, you know, there's other points you can go into, and, and this is what you're talking about in terms of the value. Like, you not only those guys will, you know, it becomes pay for play, right? Where you're going to try and pay to get guys. P- people try and act like it's because of their name, likeness, and value. They don't have it. If they had a value, then they could get money at the G League. They don't without the school. And now all of a sudden they have a value. It's only because you're trying to pay to get the guy to play. But the other part is that it will, I believe, impact the bottom line for the schools, right? In that, you know, like, look, um, Byford Auto Group in... Uh, in Oklahoma, they provide the vehicles for the coaches and they're the, you know, the official vehicle provider. And there's a, there's a fee that's associated with that. And you know, that money helps all of the other, th- that money helps, it gives cars to, to the coaches, which many, by the way, the comp cars in many States are going away for assistant coaches. It doesn't make financial sense. Okay. But now listen, you're going to hurt the bottom line of the athletic departments because why would I pay, you know, however much it is, 500 grand to be the official vehicle provider of the, of the athletic department, give all these cars, get all the signage, get personal appearances when I can pay an athlete five grand. Now you may think that cuts out the middleman as the fan and that's the better thing, but <laughs> that, that you don't actually understand the financial structure. The Athletes today, there is only a handful, a handful who actually sell product. Uh, I mean, think of how many, when we were younger, you know, a lot of guys were getting shoe deals, okay? Only a handful of guys, like literally one hand, you could argue, are selling, you know, are selling sneakers. So to think that, like, all these companies are suddenly going to make, you know, money, it's just ludicrous. I I just don't see it happening. Especially Um, in an economy, you know, that is, you know, it, it, it may be doing well, but it's still very cautious. And so people are not just throwing money around right and left. And uh, you know, that's just not happening. And so I think it's, yes, it's great freedom and all that. But, I mean, at the same time, uh, I think the market will ultimately show that uh, there isn't great value. 
Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. And we're live here outside the Perez family home just waiting for the... And there they go. Almost on time this morning. Mom is coming out the front door strong with a double arm kid carry. Looks like dad has the bags. Daughter is bringing up the rear. Oh, but the diaper bag wasn't closed. Diapers and toys are everywhere. Ooh, but mom has just nailed the perfect car seat buckle for the toddler. And now the eldest daughter, who looks to be about 9 or 10, has secured herself in the booster seat. Dad zips the bag closed, and they're off. Ah, but looks like mom doesn't realize her coffee cup is still on the roof of the car. And there it goes. Oh, that's a shame. That mug was a fam favorite. Don't sweat the small stuff. Just nail the big stuff. Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Um, uh, what about you personally, right? This has been a kind of interesting journey, and I don't know how much you've shared on your podcast. Uh, obviously, you're part of the cuts at ESPN. I think everybody in college basketball thought this doesn't make much sense at all. Um, but I, I think when you look at all the different jobs you have now, I could make the case to you and I don't know the finances of it, obviously, nor do I want to really ask. That's not my place. I can make the case that not only have you shown your value to the, to our old, our old home, but it might've been the best thing that ever happened to you. Uh, in all honesty, like where are you personally, emotionally? Great. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I said this, I've said this before that I wasn't angry. I was just hurt. And as the time has gone on that things have changed and they're just, they're, um, they're just doing the same things, at least in college basketball that we were doing. I mean, on the digital space, you know, we, uh, we were doing videos and things like that and covering a lot of games and, um, they're just not doing it anymore. And so I'm, what I'm doing for March Madness is great. I mean, I'm actually talking to more players. We're reaching more people, and uh, uh, there's a vacuum for it. I mean, there's, there's other um, networks that were doing a little of this, but now really aren't. Um, maybe they are in other sports, but I, I you know, the, the team that we've got at Turner, because Turner Sports um, runs uh, NCAA.com and all the March Madness account. I mean, they're great, young, innovative people that are always pushing to do more. And, uh, in this space, you know, we've got well over a million followers on that, on that, that account. And, uh, the schools have all bought in and the school's been great. Sports information directors have been great coaches, players. Uh, so that aspect has been 
very welcoming. And so, yeah, I do my podcast, March Madness 365, through them. And then, um, you know, on air during the season, it's uh, Fox Sports and Big Ten Network. And so, yeah, it's, 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 it's all working well. I mean, I travel more in the winter now than I probably did. Well, yeah, I mean, I traveled a lot when I was early on at ESPN, but I'm traveling a lot now in the winter, but um, that's okay. It is what it is. I can't complain. And, uh, um, but, I, you know, I, I definitely feel like the same job doesn't exist uh, at ESPN. So I don't feel like uh, I was replaced or they're doing all these things. It's just things have changed. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, but there's still you were synonymous with the sport and their coverage of the sport, right? I mean, before I got there, uh, and and until well, I I'm left, well, enough that I covered you there. I know, I know you're you're you're, you're, you're sneaky old. You're like you're like Robert Flores who works for MLB. I tell him all the time, like Robert, like Roflo is a lot older than you think because he's got a super young face <laughs> and like a young mind. But he's you're sneaky old. That's what that that's that's what you are. Your favorite college basketball player you ever covered? Wow. Um, you gonna make me think about that? Okay. Uh, you want to think favorite. about it while I ask you it's your a long favorite time now? Your favorite venue you've ever worked? I actually think I know the venue. Well, I will say that um, I do love Fog Allen. I think it's the best in terms of the atmosphere. Uh, you know, oh, what about Duke? What about Duke? What about Ke- Mr. Katz? What about, what about Ke- Cameron Indoor and Mike Krzyzewski and Roy Williams? Sorry. Um, more than the pit. Well, the pit was better early when I was there in the 90s. I'm not um, talking about it. doesn't have kinda, to be present day. Like, I'm, like I don't think people right, understand yeah. it was how then. vicious I mean, if the, you want to go way back, if you want to go way back, Fresno. Uh, when I was covering the WAC, um, I mean, it's still good, but BYU, the Marriott Center, um, I mean, I saw some great games in there. 20,000 Freeman fans, especially the Holy War when it was against Utah. Um, great venue. I will say this, in my, uh, another venue I've gone to more recently that I've grown to appreciate that I think is one of the five best in the country is Mackey Arena. Um, the way the sound echoes off yep. the top in Mackey no, Arena. And, and they know, redid and it and they kept it, they kept it true to what it is. It, it's, it's an amazing, that's an amazing place. I don't think it's the best arena in, I don't think it's the best arena in Indiana. Like, like Hinkle's the best arena. Like what they, what they, Hinkle was always great. And then they redid it and made it amazing. It's not as intimidating as the pit, as Mackey, but I think Hinkle brings in, you know, one, the movie Hoosiers, but two unique architecture. It's kind of got a retro cool feel to it. I think Hinkle is is better. It's different, different. But Mackey is is right there. I wish all the Big Ten schools hadn't gone. Like I wish Wisconsin would play in their old place. Michigan State should play in there. Like I, Breslin's great, but those old those old places, even with the obstructed views, were amazing. Really amazing. Oh yeah, the old field house when I was at school, Wisconsin. Uh, I will say, you know, this is blasphemy, and people were all pissed off at me, as these fan bases do. Um, I agree with you. I think Mackey and Hinkle are better than Assembly Hall. Um, you know, Assembly Hall, sort of also the structure of it, the way it goes it goes um, up wow. and then out. It, yeah. You know, so it's like the seats way at the top, 
because they've moved the media section, aren't great the way it's way up there. And um, I just think the other two are better. I know it's not something popular opinion in certain parts of Indiana. Okay, so let's let's circle back. Your favorite college basketball player you ever covered. Top of your head. That's why I didn't prep you for this. It's better this way. I know, I know. Uh, I will say this. In the most recent past, Grant Williams has been one of my favorites. Unbelievable young man. Uh, I think he's going to do great things with the Celtics. Just such an engaging personality. I've loved dealing with him. Um, God, I, I got I to gotta think about this. If, now you're going to make me make a list. There's Jimmer. Uh, Jimmer was fun. We had the, the Jimmer movement, right? Um, yes, I love covering Jimmer. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, obviously, I think, you know, J.J. was so hated. Um, there's, you know, Jay Williams was, was an amazing player. You know, you can kind of go through your list of dookies that you liked or didn't like. Um, I'm trying to think who else, like, you would throw out there that were, that were guys that were just awesome, awesome. You know, obviously Aaron Kraft. I'm, I'm picking out, like, all white, white guys. I don't know why. T.J. Sorrentine and... And, and Taylor Coppenrath at Vermont, although they only won one game. Uh, Jerry McNamara, how, how great was he in the, in the Big East tournament? And for- the Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Syracuse, uh, Keem Warwick as well, who just his arms were like go-go gadget arms. Um, hmm, Juan Dixon. It's pretty special when he was at Maryland. Like, there's, there's not a guy like, man, that's my... Grant Williams is a good one. Grant Williams is a good one. What about Miles? What about Miles Simon? I mean, we've had him on the pod. He's my best friend. Uh, he's currently in Vegas showing off about how he's got a couple days off. I think they're on some sort of retreat there with the Lakers. Miles is awesome. Miles is interesting because here he was academically ineligible the year they won the national championship, right? So... Uh, that was that was fascinating. Like, here's a how's a guy that smart? I'm academically ineligible. I think we know the answer to that one. Uh, Danny Granger, when he's in Mexico, you covered him, right? Uh, no, that was after me. Who who is the best player you covered in New Mexico? Um, well, I covered Luke Longley for one year. I forgot he covered. You know, I, 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 I've become friends with a couple of players that I did cover back in the early 90s. Uh, Kahari Jackson, Vladimir McCrary. Um, well, I'll tell you, even though I covered him during, you know, a really rough time in his life, um, another player I've become friends with that I loved covering was Chris Heron. I was, I was going to ask was, you about Chris, Chris and Fresno. Give, give me the best Fresno I mean, story that has not been told. Uh, well, I'll tell you a funny one, which was when Damon Fournay, uh, I was standing there next to his exit park. They're, we're about to go on a road trip to Colorado State, Wyoming. And uh, Damon says, hey, you know, coach, you know, a little worried. we got to go up to Colorado because uh, in Wyoming, and they got that stuff up there. You know, they got all that stuff. He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, you know, they got all that stuff. And he says, you mean altitude? And he says, yeah, we got to play in that. He says, don't worry. We're playing inside. Yeah. Uh, games indoors. <laughs> so there was every day was an adventure. I'll tell you that. I, I was I was trying to describe the pit to people, 
And I think what makes the, what made the pit and when they're good, what makes it different is like, I don't actually know if there is a new mech. I don't know if I, I know there's people that walk around the campus. I don't know if there's actually students, right? I just, I, I, I've never met somebody who's like, I, yeah, I went to New Mexico. I'm a student. But what I do know is that in most of these arenas, you try and hide the old people from the TV cameras, right? Because the old people, the blue hairs, they're not getting into it. You know, they're just sitting there grumbling if you're not playing well and they're cheering if you are playing well. Um, you know, you look at, at, at some of the mistakes that, like Gonzaga's arena, they put the ca- TV cameras on the wrong side, right? So that they have, uh, they have the, do- it was the dog pound or whatever it is, uh, but they, they can't, the kennel, that's what it's called, the kennel. But you, you don't understand that those, they're standing and jumping because you only see the tops of their heads, whereas if you shot it from the other side, it would look like everybody's standing up the entire time, right? The difference at the pit is all of those old people, they're just as crazy as the students are. And I don't know what, again, like I don't know if the students are older or if there's regular college, because the student section is good, but, you know, there's, I, I feel like that's in addition to the way the building is built, being in altitude, it's like the pro team in New Mexico. The idea that the old people are just as vicious and as nasty and as rowdy as the students, I think that's what makes it unique. Well, I will tell you that it's not only unique to there. I mean, I think there's an older um, fan base, you know, that obviously is very vocal at Kentucky, at Kansas, a lot of those schools where the school is the main uh, part of town. But um, there are students. I've met plenty of them that go to New Mexico, so don't worry about that. Um, okay. But I appreciate, Doug. I have to run. Okay. And Andy, Andy, thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk soon. All right, thanks. Bye. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. 6,000-ish? No, 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 not even. Not even. Undergrad undergrad was uh, a couple thousand. Four? Not even. Undergrad well, is four? When I was there, it was about two and a half. I want to say it was like 2,500. That's crazy. Was yeah. it, so, I mean, uh, it, it, was, it was all male when you were there? No, 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 no. It had gone female, but it was pro- the ratio was probably, I want to say, five to one. We did a lot of road tripping to Smith and Holyoke and Pine Manor. I actually do know Mount Holyoke. I do do know Mount Holyoke. It's in Hanover, New Hampshire, which is uh, uh, it's on the Connecticut River, right? Um, small little town. Is, yes. Yep. Yeah. It's like 11,000 people. What was it like yep. to go to school there? It was uh, it was tremendous. It was the probably the best thing that well, not want to say the best thing, but one of the great things that I got I, I gained from from going to Dartmouth is 
uh, not and it, that has uh, availed me to this day and was very valuable in going into sports and covering you know worldwide globally known names is that you weren't impressed by anybody's uh, heritage or their name or because you had you know you had Rockefellers you had you had like the sons and daughters of globally recognized people and you know if you saw it was how they carried themselves on that campus it was who they were as people uh and not what their name was or how much money they had or fame or whatever it might be it people were you, you judge people based on who they were and how they carried themselves and 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 so you my i got past you know being a kid from Ohio, uh, first and only person in my family to go to college, and I'm going to an Ivy League school, and uh, it just was a great lesson in that don't be impressed or intimidated by what people have or what their name is. Uh, judge them based on, on, on who they are and, and how they treat others, and, and uh, that's, that's, availed myself, that's availed me it's been of tremendous value uh, my my entire life, but especially in this in this vocation. Okay, so you get out of Dartmouth. You you yeah. graduated with what what kind of degree from Dartmouth? I did not know this was going to be a a biography on on Buker. By the way, listen, so I'm going to do what the hell I want to do. It's my podcast. It's about <laughs> basketball. I'm I'm getting to what I want to get to. Everybody else just asks okay. you like. LaMelo Ball, LeBron, yes, you yes, were a Kobe yes. suck-up back in the day, then you guys yes. had a falling out. I don't want to get to all that. I want to get to I, – I, I, got, a, I got a process here. You graduated with okay. what from Dartmouth? God, God forbid that I get in the way of your process. Yes. So what, what, was, the, what was the question? What was the next question? What, what was your next? degree from? It? What was your degree in at Dartmouth? I was uh, an English major with a honors thesis in creative writing. Okay, so you want to be a writer. This is like the perfect, like super liberal Dartmouth in the middle of the woods in Hanover, New Hampshire. It's beautiful, by the way. Cold in the winter, but fall is amazing, right? So did yeah, you, got, in your I mind... Flown up, I got flown up there as a junior, January 20th, uh, as a junior in high school. Got flown up on a Lockheed jet by the chairman of the Federated, Federated Departments, Department Stores who happened to live in Cincinnati. And my mom worked in the department store there and did alterations and she ended up uh doing alterations for the wife of this chairman and they decided i thought i was going to go wherever i got the best soccer scholarship that's where i I thought i was going to go maybe the university of cincinnati i had a north carolina state i had a couple other uh other offers um and uh and they decided you know what we we think (laughs) our sons went to dartmouth we think rick should go to dartmouth and so they uh they 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 blazed the trail for me to get there, but we flew up, and I'm in a car, and we're driving across the campus for the first time, and it's evening, and it was about 12 inches of fresh fallen snow, and I fell in love with the place instantly. I was like, this is this place is the ma- most beautiful place I'd seen, and just it the the intimacy of it and uh and everything i it, i from that point on i was like i will do whatever i need to do to uh uh to find a way in into dartmouth um so yes beautiful campus 
So you, you got your degree in creative. Did you want to be a? Did you want to write novels? Did you want to write like romance novels, movies? Like what? What was your? If, if I, I would did, ask twenty-two year old Richard Buecher, yeah. uh, fresh out of Dartmouth, yeah. what he wanted to do, what would it be? No, novelist for sure. But the the big change for me, I originally thought I was going to be a lawyer or an attorney because I had to justify the cost of the Ivy League school because they don't give athletic scholarships. I had. I was able to earn a couple of other other scholarships while I was there, but uh, I felt like I had to justify the, the the money that my family was spending on my uh, on my education, and so I figured it was either doctor or lawyer, and I really couldn't see myself as a doctor. And then I had an internship with Sports Illustrated my junior summer, and I this was the time of the Frank the Fords and the Dan Jenkins and. These guys were all living around, the, you know, wherever they wanted to in the country, and they were parachuting in and doing these stories and telling the behind-the-scenes stories. And I was like, and seemed to be making decent money. I was like, wow, what, like, that would be cool. And so um, whether it was being a novelist or, you know, being the next Frank DeFord, being the next Dan Jenkins, writing books, writing novels, uh, covering sports, Roger Angel from The New Yorker, uh, was an early uh, hero of mine. Like writing about sports in a in a literal in, in a high literary way was was my uh, was my ambition, and it was shaped by uh, the combination of Dartmouth and Sports Illustrated. And, and now, of course, you're big on Twitter. It's a joke. It's a, it's a, it's and very, yeah, and, <laughs> I'm, I'm and now I'm and, working and, and, and Bleacher and Bleach Report, which which now you <laughs> longer form. But when Bleacher first started, it was. It was, you know, aggregation and, and top ten yeah. lists, you know. It's really Slide, kind of a, slides kind of, and aggregate. Yeah. Although, slides to and aggregate. Yeah. They hired when they hired me and a few few others, it was you know, they 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 wisely looked at it and there's been a number of there's another a number of other platforms that started at the same time, none of which have had the same success as Bleach Report. And they took a, a lot of the other platforms took the approach of we're going to hire uh, good writers, and we're going to we're going to put together, uh, you know, good quality editorial content, and that's how we're going to build our audience. And Bleacher Report basically said we're going to go lowest common denominator. We're just going to we're going to do whatever is going to we're, we're going to go the clickbait route. We're going to do whatever we think is going to cause people to look at our content. We're going to do slides. We're going to do best worst. We're going to do and then we're, and then we're, we're ba- and then we're backwards, right? And and then hire and the then credible writers. And so they built their audience, and they built, you know, a, a following. And then they said, okay, now we want to get credible. Now we want to do real stuff. And uh, so they hired me about uh, five, six years ago as part of... Wait, uh, when's, the credi- from- when's the credibility start? Ah, I'm just messing with you. Okay, so, so what, was your, what was your first actual gig? Was it Washington Post? Oh, no, 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 no. So I, my first actual gig was, first of all, I was still, even after, you know, the English thing and everything, I thought, well, I, I need to make money, and how am I going to make money, and I'm not, am I going to go straight back to Sports Illustrated? Maybe that's not going to happen. And so, uh, and everybody was going through corporate recruiting, so I thought, okay, maybe I'll go into advertising, I'll be like Elmore Leonard, I'll, I'll, I'll write novels on the side, and I will, uh, and I'll work for an ad agency. I'll be on the creative side. Well, they were, they were interviewing for corporate 
jobs. And, and But still, I figured, let me get in, and then I'll figure my way to get to where I want to when I get in. So I interviewed with Leo Burnett. I interviewed with Ogilvy and Mather, and uh, I was thinking of going that direction. And I've actually accepted a job with Leo Burnett, and then uh, somebody reached out to me from the school who knew that I'd taken had won the internship with Sports Illustrated, and they said, hey, there's a little magazine, Yankee magazine, uh, that, and they're looking for a, you know, a one-year resident, um, editorial resident. Would you be interested? And I was like, yeah. So I, I drove down and uh, interviewed, and I got, I got that offer. And so before I'd ever got to Leo Burnett, I asked for like a six-month uh, leave of absence because I wanted to follow this writing bug. And about six weeks in, I realized I, I didn't want to go advertising. This is what I wanted to do. So I did a one-year residency at Yangie Magazine, living in the publisher or the founder's house, along with like five or six other people who were put in various departments with the magazine. And, uh, and that's where I started. I started writing freelance magazine pieces and wrote some pieces. I was just supposed to be an editorial assistant, but really wanted to write. So I convinced them to let me write, uh, did a piece on the inventor of the wiffle ball, went down and played him in a, in a wiffle ball game. Uh, and, uh, that was, that was a start. And then I took all, I took all the, my, my half a dozen clips or whatever, and thought I was going to go to New York and I was going to get in with Esquire magazine or somebody there. And they all said, you need more experience. You probably, if you want to move quickly, go work for a newspaper. And I didn't really want to do that, but um, that, uh, that led me to going to San Diego and then went from San Diego to San Jose and, that's where I first started, uh, after a couple of years, started covering the uh, the Golden State Warriors and the NBA. And then who was on the Warriors when you started? Who was on the Warriors when you started covering them? Uh, who was on the Warriors when I first started covering them? Well, that was still, that was at the tail end of the run DMC. So Tim Hardaway was still there. Uh, it was right about the time that they traded for, the big big thing was, that was, I got in there. I got there the year that they tanked for Chris Webber. Uh, Greg Popovich was an assistant coach for a year, then went to San Antonio. Uh, Del Demps was a 12th man. I mean, I look at now, like, the number of guys that I got to know very early on and the positions that they've since held. It was it was a very fertile ground for all the, the relationships and the network that, uh, that I've built since. It's interesting. You bring up the tanking, even going back then, uh, tanking and tampering, big topics. Yeah. The, the tampering thing is it. what's coming. Couldn't com- talk about it then. Couldn't even use that word. What couldn't talk about tanking? Yeah, no, it, it was like you absolutely denied that you were tanking, no matter how blatant it was, you know, Tim Hardaway had, against the Clippers had like 25 points in first 29 minutes and then sat the fourth quarter. And we went to ask Nelly, you know, why, you know, why didn't he play? And he said, well, his knee was acting up. And we went to talk to Tim and Tim said, uh, Tim didn't even know which knee it was that was supposedly <laughs> bothering him. 
not a, not a whole lot of coordination and communication there. As he drank uh, at this time, also give you a sense of how different things were. Uh, he had just he had one of those big plastic cups and had poured like two two twelve ounces in there, and you knew that with Hardaway at that time, if he was a little like salty and you weren't getting anything good, you just you kind of go and talk to other guys, and you come back around. Once he was halfway into that cup, then you you'd really get some good quotes from from uh, from Timmy. So one of the many things, uh, transformations that we've seen as far as uh, the league is concerned. What do you think of what the commissioners laid down with these new tampering rules? Uh, I think it's window dressing, and it's uh, I, I, you know the most interesting part, and I don't know how much you've talked about it or. You've, you, I've, I've seen other people talk about it, but this is really came up just last night for me. I was texting a couple of uh, executives and various people, just just getting their take on on a few different things. And with one of them, I I, I asked, I said, "What do you make of the fifty thousand dollar fine on the Bucks?" And he he said, he goes, "I, I can't." comment because i don't know if my phone's going to be one of the ones that the the league is going to randomly if we're one of the five teams that the league randomly checks and they confiscate our phones the big take from bloomberg news brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world western nations like the u.s and europe mexico will likely have its first female president and then you have china and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and 
and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like we're on, we're under orders now. No off-the-record text conversations. And I got to tell you, man, when I look, I mean, I, I know how I operate, and I don't even operate as a full-time, you know, news-breaking guy per se. But I, I think of guys like. Toms and Woj and like their whole lives. Yeah, but you go to WhatsApp on, though, don't you? And they go to WhatsApp or what's uh, what's Mark Cuban's? Uh, uh, yeah, their... Cyberdust or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. I mean, it. But but guys are going to have to go to that in order to. I, I just I, I wonder how much of a freeze this is going to put on the conversations, the off-the-record conversations that, that, uh, that executives are, are willing to have and staying ahead of the news and, and, and all of that because it does, they, they are feeling like this could be a huge invasion of privacy. And I can tell you at the same time, having talked to an owner about what those meetings were like in the conversation, uh, that, there, was a great, there was great concern about this. And Silver basically said, to the owners, look, we need to get something out there. We'll figure out like what it looks like. We'll make it palatable, but it's important that we make a statement now that we are addressing that. So that was really what was behind this. They haven't they haven't figured out what the owners and the executives are going to be comfortable with. It was more of we just want to let the the viewing public know uh, and perhaps the small market fans more than anything else that we are concerned and we want to address this uh, this issue, even though 
I, I'll be honest, Doug. I don't know how the league operates if you don't allow tampering. I don't, and I don't think it's. I, and I think the small markets could be hurt by it as well because. But that's what this is about, example, though, right? This, which, which is this with the small market, yeah. like the small markets don't believe they can legitimately compete. You know that they're that there's just the haves and the have-nots, and they're, they're becoming even more and more the have-nots. And they're never, but they're, but but nothing's going to change because of these tampering rules. Guys are still going going to want to go to the bigger markets that can attract the bigger, you know, the bigger te- teammates and and all of that. That's not going to change with the anti-tampering. And what happens instead, or what I anticipate happening, is that for small markets like Milwaukee, where where you get the temperature and you realize. You know what? I can't. My star is leaving. So, who on the market can I get so that I can still be competitive? And rather than putting all my eggs in the, I'm going to try to keep Kevin Durant or I'm going to try to keep Paul George or whoever it is, I'm going to go and get, you know, the second tier guy or a young guy or I'm going to move him early. It, it, I, I think that this is actually going to. Uh, hurt the smaller markets because they're not going to be able to uh, to activate their plan B's and C's and know definitively, yeah, you know what, we don't have a chance of keeping this guy. If everything starts on July 1 and it's an equal race, well, now you're going to find out, you know, you're not going to keep the guy, but now you're going to keep the guy so much later in the process that you're going to wind up not being able to 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 compensate and do something else. Yeah, it's a law of unintended consequences, right? Where you, the intended consequences are to cut, to cut the tampering out. The unintended consequences are all this other stuff. I don't understand exactly. the Milwaukee fi- finding them. Like, everyone in the world <laughs> knows they're going to offer him the Supermax. And what's, and what, excuse me, but what's the tampering? Like, it's your, it's your own guy. I know. Like, you can't say he's a league MVP. We're going to, I mean, I don't even know that you need to say it, but it, it, it for your fans, you want them to know, yes, of course, we're going to take care of our guy, we're going to get him the Supermax, etc. It just seems like it's a, such a banal thing. I mean, that's, that's, your first, that's your first flag that you plant in the ground about how you're approaching this, is that you're going to hit the small market team that wants to give the Supermax to its league MVP. It just, it's not a good look. I mean, it just seems kind of ludicrous that that's, if, if first impressions are what this is all about, the first impression is, uh, okay, well, this doesn't make any sense. You're not addressing what really needs to be addressed, which is Magic Johnson going on a late-night talk show and making it clear to Paul George and everyone in the world, yes, we're going to be going after Paul George from the Indiana Pacers. That, that to me, is where you, where you crack down on somebody, not, not this. Do you think, I think, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I feel like to the basketball world, everybody in the league knows who Magic is, right? Like, hmm. he didn't really want to work that hard of the job. You know, it just, he just, and as much as he still has a very much a presence in the basketball world where he walks into a room and he's Magic Johnson, yep. I'm not going to say he's laughed at, but it was generally thought to be not the tightest ship in the world and one that was, was just, it was just bizarre, right? Like, here's a guy who said, like, I don't want to show up at work every day, but I want to make all the decisions. 
I feel right. like to the basketball world that got exposed and people nod their head and understand it. I don't know. Do you think real world magic is still magic or did this really hurt him? Real world. Like you and I don't I live in the real world. We live in the, we live in the world of sports, right? And in sports yeah. kind of knew the deal, kind of know the deal, kind of felt weird, you know, but in the real world, do you think anybody thinks differently of magic after this last bout bit with the Lakers? I don't know that they've thought that much about I don't know that this bout with the Lakers changed the view on magic dramatically because I don't know that in the real world people were still thinking about Magic Johnson in any meaningful way. I'd put him in the Larry King category of a guy who you kind of found like his tweets and his observations to be either incredibly obvious or dated, but you didn't look at them as, as you once did as like a powerhouse, as a, as a force in their particular industries. It's like, it's a familiar name. Like, Oh yeah, that guy. Oh yeah. He, that was, you know him from the highlights, but you didn't really know anything else about him. And so I think in the, in the real world, it's ma- magic. Magic doesn't carry the same, I don't know, presence as anywhere close to the same presence as, as he once did. I don't, I don't know that, you know, 20 somethings, 30 somethings think of magic Johnson as some hallowed, as some hallowed guy. I don't think they, they thought about him a whole lot, period, to be honest with you. Uh, so one of his, I don't know, feet complete, but drafting Lonzo Ball. I, I know friends that were at those workouts, and they said, like, look, Lonzo's workout wasn't good when he was there, and they had that secret workout, you know, at undisclosed location, yeah. and it wasn't great. Um, they thought De'Aaron Fox was better, and then, you know, I mean, truth be told, I know that everybody's kind of acting uh, like like Utah got this incredible steal. But, you know, if you if you ask people, they'd say best workout we had was Donovan Mitchell, bar none. Yeah. But Magic was hyper focused on Lonzo. They thought he could be Jason Kidd slash Lonzo Ball. Lonzo obviously yep. got 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 dealt. And there's there's a bunch of ironies I mentioned earlier, like. I think his dad actually helped him get drafted by the Lakers, but the shoe is a big reason why he's not with the Lakers because the shoe kept breaking down, and that's what led to his. That's what they think led to his, you know, his bad ankle injury this this past year. And huh. when you don't not out of sight, out of mind, the team tanks without him there. It's completely different. So now he's gone. Lamelo now because he's played pretty well in Australia is moving up right. draft boards. I also think part of it is we haven't had college bass. We haven't seen Cole Anthony play. I think this will level out some. What do you think of the LaMelo ball now suddenly becoming a viable top five, top ten draft pick? I think it's just as you you, you said. First of all, it's out of sight, out of mind. Um, <laughs> I don't know how many scouts are over in Tanzania right now or <laughs> like over there getting you know the full width and breadth of what he's doing. Him playing supposedly, over there. Supposedly a bunch. Supposedly a bunch went to, you know, they, they go down to see both those kids play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I get that. But, I mean, they've just started to watch. It's not like you have right. 
you, you watch them for a season, or you've, you certainly right. there. I'm not saying that there aren't any scouts down there. It's just, you know, how long have they been down there? What have they seen? Have they been to practices, etc.? Like there's 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 a lot that's going to go into determining whether you're going to take Lamelo as a number one pick. And I do think that Dad still is a factor in a negative way because of all yeah. that happened with Lonzo and things that the Lakers had to go through. People are gonna people are gonna look at that not in a positive way. That's why you know when people are saying do we owe Lavar an apology because Lamelo now could be you know the number one pick? Well, first of all, who's saying he's going to be the number one pick? Like it's so it's so premature. It's it's insane. I mean, as you said, whether it's James Wiseman or uh, or Cole Anthony or Anthony Edwards uh, or even R.J. I, I Hampton who's down there, like. Is he? Is he? I, I don't know. I mean, if he's the if he's the sixth or seventh pick, it's still an amazing thing that Levar Ball had two sons who were who were lottery picks. That's an amazing thing. Right. On the other hand, like, are we going to make as much a deal of it if he's, you know, if he's if he's a top ten pick as opposed to somebody throws it out there that he's going to be the number one pick? I, well, I, the way his his I will say that he doesn't play D. And that his shot selection is still questionable. I still feel as if you know, unless those things change dramatically, I don't see a way in which he's going to be the number one pick. I still have plenty of skepticism left to believe that you know, talking about him as the number one pick is wildly premature. Not only because of the time of year, but because based on what I've seen him as a player uh, do. Yeah, look, I, I, my thing is, I you know, I, I think he has played against older guys, which which has prepared him for this. Um, you know, and if you don't can't guard, I will if, tell you, it, w- yeah, scouts uh-huh. count. The fact that he's playing against men now is a is a big plus. That that mm-hmm. that, that is a that that was a smart move on their part. Yes, and I think also getting him out from the watch of his dad was a smart move as well. Like that's probably yep. the key. Yep. Like I didn't have a problem with. With Lithuania, I just put him on a legit Lithuanian team and train with those guys and hands off. And I think all of them, you know, they'd be all be better off. I'd be real basketball. I'd be, learn to be tough and and physical. Um, look, he's big. He obviously can pass. Feels like he yep. can shoot better than his brother. I don't know. You know, obviously the thought is his brother has become a very good athlete. You know, maybe Lamelo kind of grows into his body some. He doesn't look like a, a great athlete. He looks like more just long and sinewy. But it's mm-hmm. it's. I, we we do we have this tendency to overreact. And we forget that this time last year, Zion Williamson was probably not a top ten pick. He just wasn't. So I, I actually asked you about Dartmouth. One reason was you talked about a transformative player, and yeah. I don't know why. I, I you know I, I do think we don't use transformative player in the right way. And, okay. and what I mean by by that is like, what's the definition of transformative? causing a marked change in something, right? Yeah. And if we yeah. look at if, if, and so that's why Draymond is really a transformative player because we never thought that a six foot five college power forward could become the best. He's really the best defensive center in the league because he can guard every position, right? We didn't think of that. Yep. Now you yep. bring in a left-handed freak athlete who's six, five and change, whatever, look like a football mm-hmm. player. Can he take that to the next level? I don't know if he'd be a transformative player, but I, I don't know if, that means he'll be a superstar. I, I don't think he'll be LeBron James. I think anybody who's told you he's going to be LeBron or going to be a, a you know, once-in-a-generation pro, I think that's right. kind of unreasonable. 
I do think he has a chance to be transformative in that he's got some Barkley, he's got some LeBron, he's got some Draymond to him. And Draymond started really the true small ball center revolution. And if here's a kid who can legit play on offense as well as defense, because mm-hmm. Draymond, most of what he does on offense is pass. Uh, right. I, I think they're, they're, he'd be a great player. And even if he's not a league MVP or a top five in a league guy, I still think that would live up to the billing if he's billed properly. If he changes, if he becomes the new template, the way Draymond became, the way LeBron James in his way became, and there is a connection between those two. I mean, we, we talk about them, they're, they're different players, but if we're talking in the context of transformative, you're right. I, I agree with that. But he can't be, like, the suggestion was if he's Draymond Green and he has Draymond Green's career, right. then is that a success? And I would say no in conjunction with being a transformative player because then he would be the next Draymond Green. And he's not supposed to be the next Draymond Green. He's supposed to be the first Zion Williamson. He's supposed to introduce something brand new. And I, th- what I struggle with, I guess, is I don't know what that is that he's going to introduce. He is a physical freak. He is a physical wonder. But it still comes back to what made LeBron James transformative is the skill set in that athleticism. What made Draymond Green transformative is his defensive IQ and his ability, his, his versatility defensively that, that made things different. I'm, being a freak athlete on the level of Zion, just at the NBA level, we've just seen plenty of freak athletes, and they don't leave that mark, or they don't, they don't transform the game. Like, I don't even know that you'd say that Russ Westbrook, pound for pound, has transformed the point guard position. So that's where, that's where I don't... Like, look, I'm not a Russ guy, but he has averaged a triple-double the last three years. I don't know if that's transformative, but it's completely changed the way we look at stats. Um, yeah, well, I would say this. Yeah, I would say, I, here, I think here's, he's taking advantage I, of the way the game's changed. Yeah, I agree. Not I, I agree. The Look, there's, uh, there's more possessions, more shots, more rebounds. Um, no, no question. And he dominates the ball. His, his, his usage rating is through the roof, and that, that, that's a big reason why. And, yes, he's a, he, he benefits greatly from the way in which basketball is played now. Um, but I, I, I don't know if Zion's been sold to you the right way. Like, I... I think he has a. I don't know if he has Draymond Green or LeBron's basketball IQ, but it's pretty good, and he's a, okay. a pretty good passer. Uh, he okay. can, unlike either of those other two, he can legit dominate score in the post. Like LeBron's never really been a post player, and Draymond's not an offensive nope. post player. He can't. Um, right. I would assume that he'll be able to have the same sort of defense. Like he can legit guard one through five. Uh, which Draymond can do, but with real quickness, more so than toughness and yeah. intelligence. And well, LeBron and used Draymond, to be able. To, LeBron's yeah. never, huh? LeBron's never really been able to guard fives. But I, I also think he's a, a ridiculous competitor, and um, I, I think that makes up hmm. for a lot. I think that makes up for a lot. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I want to ask you kind of, you, kind, you, kind of quickly. You were right. You were right on the first thing, and that I that Zion has been sold to me. In a completely wrong way. Yes. Because I, I, all yeah. I have heard is that he's the next LeBron. He's the next no. transformative player. And I'm like, 
I can tell you right now he's not because he's not going to come in at the same level that LeBron came in, and he's not going to be able to play the same role that LeBron played. And when you don't have the ball in your hands, that changes everything in terms of the impact that you're going to make, and he's not going to have the ball in his hands at the beginning. I agree, but it's actually one of the things I liked about him going to Duke is that he didn't have the ball in his hands a ton, and Mm -hmm. he still found a way to impact a game at both ends of the floor, which so few, most guys are R.J. Barrett. They can't play without the ball. The ball's not in their hands, and they don't know what to yeah. do with themselves, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I got a, a couple more for you. USA basketball. Now, yeah. look, we can call it whatever we want. Um, you and I have seen the rest of the world start to catch up. with. We also know that it's a different game. It's officiated mm-hmm. differently. It's played differently. It, it's different. So we, we did know this day was coming, I don't know if we thought the awakening would be this great. Um, now Steph is committed to playing, and I'm sure most of the big boys will do it. It'll be great branding. But what do you think the future of USA basketball looks like? Well, based on what we've seen, I can see us going through these cycles of guys wanting to, you know, various versions of the redeem team or what the original, the original dream team was sort of a redeem team. We'd lost and we needed to reassert our, uh, our dominance. And so, so we did, so we got our best and we sent them and then it becomes, you know, diminishing value and returns and guys beg off and, and then we lose and then we got to do it again. I just, at some point, I, I feel as if, Team USA being a marketing arm of the NBA will no longer be necessary because the NBA will be marketed through a variety of players that are playing both for Team USA and elsewhere. And I feel as if this year was really the first step where we see a Marcus Gasol uh, wins a NBA championship and he wins uh, a World Cup title. Ricky Rubio is the MVP of, of the World Cup. And so you have NBA players that are demonstrating that they can play the game and be successful on a global scale, and the place that you can come watch them play is in the NBA. And so that accomplishes what the league, what, what the league really wants. And this whole – this is what I find fascinating about the difference in the way we look at basketball – in, in international circles, and we look at our other sports and our other athletes. Our other athletes, we support them because they're Americans and they're competing for us. And whether they finish with a bronze or they finish, you know, in the top ten or whatever it might be, like, we, we support them and we love what they give. With, with basketball, if we're not winning gold, then we really don't care. And I don't even know how much we really care about the actual games, we just want to be able to say that we've won gold, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and I, I, that just seems a little quaint to me that we, it's, it's, we need to win gold, but we don't really care. We're not going to watch. I mean, we don't care. We just want to say that we've won gold. And I, I feel as if, look, if we, if we just look at it as a way of developing our young players, and we don't take it as a referendum on where the state of basketball is and what the United States basketball scene means or what the NBA, where it stands in the hierarchy of teams in, in the world. I think we're past that, but I think at some point we will collectively get past that. 
and it just won't be the I don't know the bellwether of what of how basketball the level of basketball globally is viewed in the United States. Hmm. Um, yeah, I I I, I thought we should have gone back to the college players. Problem is, there's just not the college that. players. Huh? Yeah. Um, and 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 but we have to have the understanding that we're going to take some L's. So you almost feel like, all right, let's go out and win the Olympics one more time. Yeah. And then go. Yeah. Okay, we're done. You know, and now yeah. it's going to be a twenty-two and under team, right? We're just we're going to yeah. do it to our kids. And if the rest of the world wants to send their adults and beat us, fine, we're okay with that. Yeah. Right. We'll, yeah. You know, we just, um, you know, it all started in '88 when John Thompson picked a bad team. You know, didn't yep. have enough shooting, yep. and they got beat by great players from Yugoslavia. Um, yep. And and the Russians were great, but they had you know all this. They had the Lithuanians and everything else. And mm-hmm. we kind of panicked and and decided, all right, we're going to flex our muscles here and show everybody how great yeah. we are. And yeah. the world has kind of caught up a little bit. The world's caught up more than a little bit. And I, I thought Pop made a great point, or maybe it was Kobe, who said, like, look, people forget. Redeem team almost lost to Spain, man. That was a really close game. Like Again, yeah. like, like you said, nobody watched the game. They just like, oh, we won? Okay, good. We're good then. Yeah. We're good then. We're still yeah. the best. Still the best. America's still the best. Yeah. And um, to those of us who watch, we know that they, that this is their Super Bowl, that this is their style of basketball, that they yeah. they I don't and I don't actually know if they respect the way Americans play all that much. And you know, we used to make the we used to make the case, well, you know, our guys don't play together that much. Like neither do theirs. Right. I'll play on different teams right. in the states, you right. know. Right. And they right. still. I mean, Argentina doesn't have any NBA players, and they figure out a way to to get silver. So. Yep. Um, I, it's a it's a fast. Yeah. Okay, uh, couple couple last uh, quick hitters here. Does the okay. Rockets thing work? What is what, what does work mean? What, what's what's, well, I mean, what's they success? Championship how do you, or bust how or finals or bust? I mean, are they better with what? Russell Westbrook than they were with Chris Paul? They're not. Uh, are they better? Yes, they're better. Do they get any further? No. Uh if you had to bet all of if you had to bet all of your surfboards, would you bet them yeah. on the Clippers or the Lakers? Clippers. Gonna be interesting though, because because you know those guys coming together sounds good, but you know Paul George coming off dual shoulder surgery, he's like yeah. never healthy. He's never healthy. Yeah. And then no, Kawhi, what's he play sixty games this year? And then they have to completely change the dynamic of their team, and they're not going to have their whole team the whole year. So it'll be it'll be fascinating. Uh, well, on uh, the other hand, how, uh, you know how often has Anthony Davis been healthy the entire yep. year? Correct. LeBron James, did we see the first time where he really has to manage his minutes and his health to stay healthy? What does the rest of that team look like, and who's going to be the coach of that team at the end of the year? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, going to be the coach Doc, of that team. Doc, and the fact that Doc is going to be the coach, and Doc has dealt with all of this once before. To me, in bringing this together and making it work, I mean, there's just a vast amount of experience, and he's got a resume that those guys will pay attention to. Frank when Vogel did... simply. Does not. No offense when to, did, to Frank, who I like. When did Kevin Durant become this guy who Oof. just seems so unpleasable? I would say that he has 
he has long been that guy, but where it really turned would be being in Oklahoma City and then going through that. I mean, I would say maybe it starts with when they went to the finals. And if I'm not mistaken, they were at least one point favored. And the way the dissatisfaction and the questions about who he was as a player, uh, when all of that came around on him, I believe that 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 changed something in him. And he decided, you know what, I, I, I'm going to set my own path. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to listen to anybody else about what it is they think I need to do to be successful. And now it leaves him with what does define success? What's, what defines success for me? He, in some ways, he reminds me a little bit of Aaron Rodgers in that they both, they ultimately got to the top of the mountain. And Aaron Rodgers is famous for saying, you know, he, he's thought about it. And after he won the Super Bowl, he's like, is that it? Is that all there is? Like, is it, this is what was supposed to be the be all and the end all. And I feel as if Kevin is, is, has gone through a similar, a similar thing. And I don't know that uh, – I think he's looking for – I think he's looking for com- completion and, uh, you know, f- finding that his, – his, the, the fullness of being in basketball. And I think we both know from our experiences, if you're looking to find that through your vocation – you're always going to be searching. You're always going to be thinking that there's something missing if that's, if that's how you're going to define success in your life. Top of the mountain has no chairs. just doesn't. There's no chairs to sit up there and enjoy it. I, I think he thought he'd be beloved. Like, hey, I beat LeBron. Yeah. Like, yeah, but you joined the Warriors. Like, okay, but yeah. I beat LeBron. I was yeah. better than LeBron. I guarded LeBron, yeah. and I, I beat him. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just way too apt to turn to social media, which you're never going to get the love and affirmation. You're just just yeah. not. You just it's you get the other part. You get the, the bitterness of it. He's such it, a magnificent it, it, talent. Like I had Danny Manning up, told yeah. Danny Manning told Bill Self when he went in there. And he's like, look, I know this is what Danny Manning said, who might be the greatest Kansas player ever. You know, him and Will. He's like and he was an assistant on the bench. And he will say to this day, the baddest motherfucker to play at Fog Allen Fieldhouse was Kevin Durant as a freshman at Texas. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that guy could play. And he did seem to play with a smile on his face. But he just became this guy, which is like, you know, in, in what world did he think that fans in Oklahoma City were going to be cool with him, not just leaving their team, but going to the Warriors, who just beat them when they had a three games, one lead? Like, what world does he live in? But see, like, I thought they went over the top up, of the cupcakes things, but what like what world? But you just brought up yeah, I think you I think you pointed out and I was kind of searching for it, but I think you pointed out ultimately what changed and why he's searching is because number one, Kevin Durant is trying to define his happiness based on how other people perceive him. And he's you ne- obviously you never win that battle because you're always going to have people who are going to find fault with something about you. But as he was coming up, there was no finding fault 
with Kevin Durant. He was he was beloved, he was respected, he was admired far more than than I think he imagined. And so it was all good. And then it became like okay, but I like this is how I want to be perceived. And he hasn't been able to control that. And nor will he ever be able to control that. But that's what he's trying to do is he's trying to He's trying to have everybody see him the way he wants to be seen, the way he wants to be seen, to be respected for what he wants to be respected. And, and that keeps moving. Like, as he evolves, that keeps changing. So it's like, okay, you know what? People are talking about you as being better than LeBron James. It's like, okay, yeah, but I want to be, I want to be beloved like LeBron James, or I want to be seen like the businessman, like for all my global success and all that stuff. And it's, so he keeps moving, he keeps moving the goalposts too. It's a fascinating. It's a fascinating subject, but I think that's a lot. I, a lot of it is like he's looking for. He's looking for fulfillment in external elements that are controlled by people beyond him, and that is impossible. That that is a torturous place to be. And then there's Kobe, and you and I. We we would have back in the old ESPN days. We'd have a back and forth on Kobe, and mm-hmm. I remember when he told you he wanted to be traded. Right. Obviously, mm-hmm. all the personal stuff he went through. And there was mm-hmm. legit concern from people I know, like, dude, when Kobe stops playing basketball, like, what is he going to do? Like, he has no yes. hobbies, no hobbies. Yes. And then he, he tore his Achilles tendon. And my kids were in the same school with his with his daughters, his two older daughters at the time. And yeah. like he became kind of dad Kobe. And then, he you know, he's yep. super interested in the film stuff and, the, and books and all that other stuff. And now he's back in basketball with Mamba Academy, which he does some stuff with, and going around and mm-hmm. parachuting in and working guys out. And he has his daughter's team. He actually sent me videos of his six favorite sets that they run. It was amazing. <laughs> like I just ra- randomly driving home the other day, what do you think? And I'm like, Kobe Bryant sent me, and I was like, I like it. Like a little pistol action. This is nice. But it's, it is, it's, but you covered the whole thing. Like you know yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. What do you think of where Kobe is as opposed to where you thought Kobe might be, you know, a couple of five years into retirement? Oh, I, I thought that I didn't know where he was going to, he was going to channel that competitive fire. And I thought he was going to have, he was going to struggle with that as much as, as Michael has and, and, or at least did. And the one element you bring up that I now take into consideration, and I remember him distinctly saying, like when he was going through the whole retirement thing and uh, and we were getting down to the last couple of days and he and I walked out of the Staples Center one day and I said, you know, I got to tell you, you're handling this really well and far better than I thought you would. And he, he looked, he kind of smirked and he goes, you didn't think I was Michael, did you? And I was like, yeah, I did. I did. I thought that was exactly what I thought. And this is the one thing that that I had known about him for over the years. Like, there's times where he and I'd be texting about something, or I'd ask him about something, and he really didn't want to get into it, or he'd get salty about it. He'd be tough. But if you ever brought up family or kids, the dude became like a marshmallow. He was just, he would, gosh, he would do, like, whatever. He was just always responsive, and he, and he always had that element. And so what I see him doing now is, kind of pouring himself into this other element, which is whether it's with the 
you know, he's got, he's got these, these books that he's writing for kids and, uh, you know, empowering young, uh, young women and coaching his daughters. And like, I, I see him following another vein that was, that he was very passionate about. And that does distinguish him because for all I knew about Michael, you know, there wasn't like family and his kids and all that wasn't really a big, big factor for him. No, and, no, it's, it's, fa- it's fascinating. And, and like, Michael doesn't look great. And I know he's older, but he doesn't, yeah, yep. he, you know, he just doesn't look great. Nope. Whereas Kobe, and I, granted, still young, whatever, Kobe works out at four o'clock sure. in the morning, every morning, you know, yep. and he still looks like he could play. And I, I'll tell you this, uh, I, I probably shouldn't give this away because Kobe claims he'll come on my podcast. I don't know if he'll say it, but he mm-hmm. told me, he's like, look, I'm just going to tell you, I can beat Michael at psychological warfare. And I go, I was like, uh, how are you going to beat Michael Jordan at psychological warfare? He's like, you know, he wasn't his dad's favorite son. And I was like, what? He goes, no. He's like, you know, his, his brother Jeff was like six feet tall. His dad, because he didn't get the gifts that Michael got, like he always was over the top. He's like, I'd use that. I was like, you'd use that? He's like, I'd use anything. It's full-scale psychological warfare. Like, he's a fascinating, fascinating <laughs> dude. Fascinating. And he I know that you've experienced so. the good, the bad, all of the craziness, but you do know that he is crazy smart. And as you pointed out, yep. like, he has soaked himself into this world of, he has all girls now, you know, and mm-hmm. into bringing them up. And uh, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to, to know and see. Hey, man, I, you've been yep. uh, more than gracious with your time. I do appreciate it. Uh, of course, you can check out his podcast, wherever podcasts are available, or the uh, Scal was Scal and Friends that was called the new one. Scal and Pals. Scal and Pals. I love Scal. What a great dude. Yeah. Duke, I want to come on yours at some point, and I do. I need yep. you to, we need to do this again and talk music. I have a music question to yep. ask you on a radio show. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us. You got it. All right, that's it for All Ball. My. Sincere appreciation to Andy Katz for joining us. Make sure to check out his NCAA podcast. He covers all things college basketball, does some tennis as well. Follow him on Twitter. And um, next week, we'll take some questions. We'll get you ready for college and NBA hoop. I always give you the best guests, the best basketball discussion that there is on podcasts. Remember to listen to the Doug Gottlieb Show daily, 3 to 6 Eastern time, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app, or whatever SiriusXM channel you listen to to get Dan Patrick, 217 or 203, that's where we are. And tell a friend about this podcast. Download, subscribe, and rate. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and you are listening to All Ball. Your body is craving the amazing power of organic fruits and veggies. Give it what it needs at Clean Juice, a 100% certified organic juice bar and restaurant that serves only the highest quality organic ingredients made to order. Download the Clean Juice app and get $5 off your first order. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com.
Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.